Welcome to the Liberty Experts Podcast, where all your liberty questions are answered, discussed, and debated by experts. Now, here are your liberty experts, Tim Moen and David Birnbaum. Hey, Tim, how's it going? Hey, David, it's going fantastic. It's going fantastic. No, that's a lie. It's not going great. I fell off the wagon when it came to my uh, 75 hard program. Uh, I tapped out at day, I think 44 or something like that. We had a family ski trip. We were celebrating my daughter uh, graduating her uh, paramedic program after two and a half long years. Congrats. And, you know, I had to, had to have a little wine and, you know, celebrate. And, right. you know, uh, I fell off the wagon hard. I've been eating potato chips and not exercising getting back at it though getting back at it soon well, so that's the issue with we did an episode on yeah. like what you approach and that's the issue with the the all or nothing approach is yeah. then if you fall off with one thing you're like oh well i may as well do all of these other things too exactly yeah right? yeah but so um point proven today we wanted to talk about or i wanted to talk about intellectual property um it's sort of one of the areas of objectivism I've had the hardest time even getting a foothold in like understanding why it would be a thing at all and I've started I think I've started to understand it a little bit and so I wanted to sort of chew on it with you and if if we can sort of take like I I, I'd prefer if we took as a starting point like okay maybe she's right how could that be the case because that's sort of where I want to explore because I'm I'm quite skeptical but I have like a nugget of maybe this makes sense um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the the sort of framework that I think of with respect to why it might make sense is that there is like knowledge is awareness of reality, right? Like, so to get knowledge is to become aware of some facet of reality, right? And so right. it could be said that there is a finite amount of knowledge, like not potentially literally but the the universe is if if there's a finite amount of property then there's in in some aspect there is a certain amount of knowledge and if i'm going out into that frontier and putting in work and effort to to you know homestead this section of knowledge am i putting in do i have a right to like own the fruits of that labor, right? Because that's sort of when I think of property, that's the sort of analogy I think of. And and the idea is that if I don't, why would I do that? If I could go and build a barn, but someone could just take it, I'm probably not going to build a barn. And so objectivists, if I understand correctly, they view IP as like, it's a necessary thing to have innovation because why if i can't be guaranteed that i'll keep the fruits of my labor i'll be less incentivized to actually go out and build it and who are you who've done no work who are you to take that work i've done so to speak that piece of knowledge that i've homesteaded to just Mm. take it away and use it um as you wish um i understand the the lack of analogy because well you don't literally take it from me it's not like all or nothing only one of us can use it but do you see sort of the the analogy in terms of i'm going out into knowledge to get a certain amount of it 
the same way I could go out into the world and get a certain resource? Well, knowledge isn't exactly the same thing, right? The, the scarcity from knowledge comes from, um, the, I mean, it's only limited by the number of human minds that can grok, grok it or grasp it or, or take it in. You know, it's not like me knowing that two plus two equals four prevents you from coming from knowing that either, right? So, so that, you know, there's no, the only fact of physical reality that puts any scarcity on the knowledge of two plus two equaling four is the number of minds that can comprehend it. It can't go beyond the number of minds, I guess. But um, me knowing it doesn't deprive you of knowing it, of course. And, and so, you know, how, you know, and, and this is essentially what it comes down to with IP is that me benefiting from knowledge, even having it in my mind, um, you know, that, that could be, you know, is that theft from someone else? Like if you give me the information or you walk me through this, you know, Einstein walks me through his theory of relativity for the first time. He's done all the work, spent years and decades coming up with this. But that's if he like, so if he chooses to give it to you, right, right. that's obviously not theft. I can choose to give you sure. anything, but it's like, if I'm, if I have knowledge that I've generated, it exists, whether it exists on my laptop or on physical pieces of paper I own. I mean, back a hundred years ago, you would have had to literally steal something of mine, right? My papers um, to take that knowledge. Um, but like the, but the whole idea is if I don't choose to give this to you, what right do you have to take it? And so the, the underlying question is 150 years ago, if all I had was paper, you would have literally had to have stolen something of mine, sure. right? But now that yeah. it's but, like but look, my I, data I know, But I mean, co co copying has been happening through all history. I mean, the first guy who built a structure People notice that and are like, oh, shit, that could really benefit me. And they built right, a structure. That's, to them, that's me, it, you know, that's them generating knowledge based on the thing. So that's an interesting point, right? If someone uh, deconstructs, we talked about Coke and Botox, right? If someone deconstructs yeah. it on their own, can, is that the same as stealing the blueprint for it? Right. Because if I'm looking at a structure yeah. and I figure out on my own how to also make one of those, that's different than the work that went into design it in the first place. Right. And there's a lot of other knowledge associated with that. Sure. And I mean, you could say, look, I, I'm noticing this guy build a structure. I think I can do the same thing. And, and so I build a structure, um, you know, he can't come to me and say, well, look, you know how long it took me of how much trial and error and how much work it took me to build this structure and here you just build it in a week without having to go through the same thing. That's grossly unfair. Um, and I kind of shrug and go, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess, uh, you know, thanks for doing that. But I mean, this, this is how humans, human, the body of human knowledge progresses and how we have rapid innovations. I mean, every iteration builds on another iteration, builds on copying and slightly modifying. Um, but I think and, like, yeah, I, 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 and to stop that because well, you know, you have to pay homage to everyone in that causal chain of events that whose ideas, your 
particular thing is built on, uh, you would stop human innovation in its tracks. You no, but stop. see, I don't. So the objectivist view seems to be the opposite, that innovation only happens because of this intellectual property and that it's like you can take it as a nugget and use it for further development, but you can't claim that it's your knowledge, your discovery as such, right? Sure, so, that would be fraud. Right. And so, plagiar, yeah. Right, but so it's somehow related to these issues, right? That, um, yeah, because it, and, and I don't quite understand this yet, but I was talking with someone who's like an IP guy or whatever, right? Like that's what he studies. And his, his view is that, yeah, innovation only happens because of intellectual property and without it, we would have a stall. So I don't, so the way hmm. I think of it, it's like, if, if, if someone builds a building and then I build an apartment in the building, right? There's not a conflict of interest there, right? Um, if I see their building and I build a similar building, there's not a conflict of interest there. But the idea is by doing the mental work, I'm building a specific building into. So if someone wants to do something with the building or if someone wants to build a similar building, that's not the same as them like taking and using my building, if that makes right. sense. Yeah, for sure. And, and no one, you know, I mean, look, um, the, the thoughts you have are primarily valuable when they're put only when they're put into action. They only give you value when you, you know, you have an idea that you're going to, going to, you know, start a pizza company. That's a great idea, but the idea doesn't provide value to anyone or really to yourself until you actually build that that building. So it's, it's the putting the idea into the physical, into material reality where it, it manifests. And, um, you know, so, so I, I don't know that, I, I don't know that, um, copying your thoughts or, or noticing, you know, you tell me your blueprints and now I have them in my head. Um, or, or you tell me your idea and now I copy it and, and do it. I'm not sure how that's depriving you of knowledge or an idea or anything like that. I still have to do the work to build the building. I still have to, I mean, yeah, you, you labored hard to come up with this idea. You did a bunch of research and stuff like that. Um, but that's not good enough to provide value to other people that you actually have to build a building and go to market with it and attract customers. The, the primary wouldn't be building value for others, right? Like that's not the primary concern. The primary concern is. Well, no, but I your, your, your friend is saying that, that he, no innovation would happen unless people were granted a state monopoly on, on, on their business or on their idea or something. And so, I, so I, think, I, I don't think that's true. I think the opposite. Well, I don't want to get, I don't understand the innovation question. So I don't want to get into that. But so if, if you had, uh, you know, a, a square kilometer of land, right, that by our rules you own, right? And yeah. then someone, there's part of it that you're not really using though. And someone just sort of, came and squatted on a section of your land that you weren't using anyways, right? How are they really taking anything from you? 
like what by what right do you have that piece of that land well you've appropriated it from nature in a in an embordering way um you know that that's uh you're the original appropriator of that resource right and and it's a rivalrous resource in that only one of us can control it um you know we can't both control it and and so now we you know that and that's why we need property rights is because you know we have these rivalrous resources in that but, so only- what if i say that not like knowledge of a certain area is like that the first two like if i'm homesteading this section of knowledge and someone wants to just come in and squat there like they're not taking from you it was just it was like you're not detrimented your ability to create but, but, value but, but the big difference is but the big difference here is that knowledge isn't a rivalrous resource, right? Uh, like me having knowledge doesn't deprive you of owning that, that knowledge or having that knowledge. Um, you coming in and squatting in a corner of my house that I never go into uh, is depriving me of, you know, maybe I eventually want to put a vase in that corner or whatever, but that, but you're depriving me of a piece of my property um, that I can't now use it's, it's being occupied by you. Um, so it's a rivalrous resource in that only one person can occupy that space at a time, but knowledge isn't like that. It's, it's as abundant as there are minds out there. There, There's no, um, there's no scarcity. There's no rivalrousness here with knowledge. Well, so, so that's interesting because that's sort of like the, I don't understand this well enough, but there's this principle in objectivism that like, you can't really divorce knowledge from action in a proper mind, right? The only reason to pursue knowledge is for action. And it's, it's irrational to do action without knowledge or knowledge without action, something like that. And so it's part of this sort of trifecta of, yeah, like you need to be able to have some time with the knowledge to then be able to act. Right. And if every time you create the knowledge, someone else can just take it and act upon it, then there's no incentive to continue to create knowledge. Yeah, but there, but there's no there, there, I'm not taking away your ability to act on your knowledge by by also acting on the same knowledge. You know what I mean? Like if I go to market first with a pizza, pizza hut or whatever, or pizza shop, you can still do that as well. I'm not stopping you from doing that. Or you might be able to say at that point, well, you know, maybe it's not worth me doing because the only reason I would start a pizza shop is to be profitable. But, uh, and now you've, you've cornered the market and I don't think I can be profitable. Um, But, you know, I haven't stopped you from opening a pizza shop. I've just, you know, um, I haven't taken anything from you unless you think you're entitled to other people's money. Right. So I suppose it, it comes down to this question of like the nature of knowledge as such, right? Like maybe there's a difference in views between you and, and Ayn Rand, so to speak, about like how you view knowledge and sort of, I mean, I agree with you and this is why I don't understand her point of view. Yeah. I agree with you that, yeah, if, if I spend, you know, 10 years studying something and I come to a piece of knowledge about it or or many pieces of knowledge does that give me a right to 
every piece of money that every amount of money that could come from that do you actually harm me by you taking that knowledge from me so to speak even if excuse me i suppose it's about how you get it if you get it yeah. without my consent maybe that's where they would have an issue right if i had in any way give you the knowledge then I've consented to you having it and you doing whatever you want with it. So then there's two issues, right? There's one of, if you get the knowledge directly through me, through let's call it fraudulent means, but then there's also, if I actually create something in the world and you like reverse engineer it. Um, yeah. Cause I think right now, intellectual property would persecute both. You can't, yeah. right? Like you can't make an iPhone even if you deconstruct and figure out exactly how to make an iPhone, right? But right. then there is something, and I don't know how I think about that. I think that maybe doesn't make sense. But when I think about like the getting the knowledge from me through fraudulent means, that's the sort of where we, I think, disagreed the most in one of our prior discussions, right? So like if someone rips something off of my hard drive, like yeah. that's fraud basically, which yeah. like they've taken, but so like there's almost implicit agreement. Yeah, they violated a property right there, material property. They've, they've trespassed. They've, uh, but only in your... bits and bytes. Like if I still have the movie that was on my laptop, even though they copied it. Right. But they, they yeah. did trespass into my computer. So to speak. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so for example, you could say, look, I, I, a projectionist, uh, you know, projectionists often copy movies um, that they're not supposed to, right? And and th then they'll upload it to um, a torrent or something like that where everyone can copy it. And um, those projectionists, I would say, are violating their employment contract. Uh, they're violating property rights. They're doing all sorts of things that they're not supposed to. Um, and so maybe you have a claim against them for for damages or something like that because they've in violating their contract that caused you damage. Um, but I don't, I don't know that you could say that about everyone that then copies it after that, uh, after it gets released into the world, they haven't violated any contract. They have no, they haven't, um, you know, or right. anything like that, but <clears throat> you know, so, so I, I think I'd agree with you, but you know, I want you to consider that maybe Ayn Rand was ju just, wasn't presented with the arguments against her position. You know, it's only it, like libertarians largely agreed with Rand until Stefan Kinsella came around. I think maybe um, Rothbard starting to suspect there was something fishy with IP that he couldn't quite put his finger on. Um, well, yeah, Konkin, so Sam, Samuel Konkin, I think first started it. And then Stefan Kinsella really fleshed out the arguments and, and showed why, where so, it was wrong. So I think maybe Rand just hadn't thought long and hard enough about it or been presented with the steel man well, or, or, you know, the, the opposing. Yeah, so I do have, I think Stefan Kinsella's against intellectual property book. It's like a short book, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I'll, I'll read that, I think, but no, the, so the reason I think it's worth considering isn't because Rand thought it however long ago, like obviously new knowledge can come about. It's because the people I know who support Rand and objectivism in every other realm that I do agree with also support it in this realm, right? So I'm trying to figure out that, right? It's not that, oh, right. Rand, I have to take, give full credit to everything Rand said. It's like, oh. no, I know a bunch of 
intelligent, thoughtful people who still agree with this, even with all of these other uh, arguments, right? Right. And how do they, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd be interested to hear their arguments against Kinsella's work. I think it's yeah, pretty I'm, bulletproof. I, I haven't been able to, because, you know, I, I, I was, um, I, I felt the same way. I was like, you know, and, and to me, it made sense. It's like, okay, it's your idea. You should be the one that benefits from it. It's, it originates in your mind. It comes from your mind. It's, you know, it's yours in, in there, in there. Right. And then, um, you know, so IP made sense, but then, you know, when you start going down the rabbit hole and thinking, well, okay, where, where do you draw the line then in copying? Like if I build a house that looks like yours, is that, am I robbing you of being able to benefit from that design? If I start a competing business and, you know, and. So I think that's, the interesting thing is just because there's no nest, there's not necessarily, it's not easy to find the line doesn't mean that there isn't one. Sure. Right. And I think there would be like a whole realm of thought around what is the appropriate line. Cause yeah. I don't know if it's primarily a moral or a legal view, like political view, but I mean, obviously you have different views than objectivists on what government is even for. So it's more so like, you know, if you're going to have a, society where people flourish, where rational people can pursue their individual rights and so just and whatever, somehow related to that is a right to their intellectual property, right? Like in the, so in the Randian view, in the objectivist view, if we're going to have a government that does these things, an aspect of that thing needs to be intellectual property. And so the, the gap would be fundamentally there like you think the nature of government is is different or bad right so then obviously intellectual property would have a different uh a different uh, well and I, I i'm not sure i th- i think uh differently about government than objectivists i, I just think that primarily you know that i think that an objectivist yeah, I mean, government is basically an, is anarcho-capitalism um, is just another word for anarcho-capitalism. No, but, a, I mean, that, that's another, that's another yeah. step, but I mean, if, if you, if you have a government, let's call it a government that does only an objectivist thing, I have no qualms with that. There, there's no conflict to me. I don't think with my philosophy, I think that's perfectly in line with, with what, but what so, I think is legitimate, but still more. that wouldn't do IP. You still think right. even if, right. Okay. Yeah. Cause, cause the goal role of government isn't to um, create certain uh, economic outcomes or something. The only role of government is to protect the individual. Right. Um, and so, and, and this is where like the rubber violations the of property. Right. And, and so, you know, I think where I differentiate with objectivists then is on maybe the nature of property or something like that. Like, I don't think ideas are property. Um, right. And, you know, I, I disagree with the term, the propaganda term, intellectual property to begin with, because it, it used to be properly called intellectual monopoly when it started, because it was the government giving a particular business or, or uh, guild a monopoly by crushing competitors. So that, and the idea was that we need to, if, if we don't do that, these businesses aren't going to thrive and that's going to be you know, and, and actually the politicians that enacted it were like, these are my pals and I'm not going to get the political donations I can. So I have to protect their businesses. So they make more money and monopoly. And so, 
you know, um, but eventually they changed it to, to intellectual property, I think, to, to appeal to um, classical liberals or something like that, their, their sense of wanting to protect property rights. And then after that, it got widespread acceptance as, oh, this is just a property right and governments are supposed to be protecting property rights. But it's not actually a property right. From my perspective, it's a property right infringement. Cool. Well, I, this has been helpful. I definitely, my next steps are one, I'm, I'm going to try and have this gentleman um, on, I'm going to try and interview him, the, the one who is sort of an IP expert, so to speak, from an objectivist perspective, talk to him about it. And then also I'll read Stefan Kinsella's book finally, because I'm, I'm very fascinated. Yeah, and and maybe what we need to topic. do is get uh, Kinsella on as well. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to have uh, Kinsella and this guy maybe even discuss their points of difference and see what we make of it. Mm -hmm. All right. And uh, yeah, any last thoughts? I think we did a good covering of it. It helped me. It's like helping me chew on this and try and understand it a bit more. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I look, Rand is a, a intellectual and philosophical giant, and we stand on her shoulders. I stand on her shoulders, certainly, and know her a lot. And she was she just wasn't quite perfect. I mean, there's a couple of things where um, she didn't, you know, I think if she had been given some more time and exposed to Kinsella and some of these other things, I think she, given her sharp, rational mind, she would have changed her mind on IP over time. But, um, you know, uh, maybe, maybe I'm giving her too much credit, but I, I, I don't think so. I think she, I think she's uh, brilliant. So I think she would have, would have eventually saw the error of her ways there and, and corrected herself. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't begrudge her at all for not having a perfect perfectly bulletproof compendium of um, of conclusions all right thanks Tim. <laughs> no problem.